Hey everyone, Matt General here with 420 Ministries. I'm super excited for all of you to have the chance to listen to this week's sermon as we continue on in our series of going through the book of Hebrews. This past Thursday night, we started through Hebrews chapter two, and this chapter was so rich, we just got stuck in some of the verses unpacking the wonders of Jesus, the glories of Jesus, who he is as fully God and fully man. We actually didn't even end up making it way through the whole entire chapter. But as you listen this week, the verses that we did get through, I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are inspired. And I pray that you are drawn into a revelation of who Jesus Christ is and who he desires to be with you. Bless you all this week as you listen. Question for you guys, just so that I know I'm not, I don't believe that I am, but I'll, I'll ask anyway. How many of you that you felt like that waiting, that waiting word was for you? You just feel like you're waiting? Anyway, yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm asking, um, one, I, I just would like to know if it was on my heart. I want to know that it's accurate. And I just want you to know, specific, for all of us, but for specifically for those that have raised their hands, Jesus sees you. He sees you. There was... a time of where um, a friend of mine was telling me about an interaction that he was having with the Lord, and my friend was um, sitting on his patio, and he's sitting on his patio, and he's, and he's with the Lord, and he almost, and, he's, and almost just as like a prophetic act, there was this open chair, and he looks over at the chair to just imagine Jesus sitting there in the chair next to him, and he's just talking with him as, if, as, as a friend talks to a friend, and my buddy was telling me, and he's like, and I, and I looked over at Jesus, and there was almost like this, uh, this, like, this, this, I don't even know how, how he described it. He, he was like, I, I knew that the Lord wanted to say something. Like, I knew that the Lord wanted dialogue to start happening. He's like, I could sense it, and I could feel it in my heart. Like, Jesus wants to speak right now. He's like, and I was kind of worshiping. I was kind of praying. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was kind of going back and forth of just like I was being with the Lord and then I just was listening to the music that I was listening to. But then he's like, so, but in that moment, I made a conscious decision to turn my attention to the Lord. And I said, I just was like, Jesus, I feel like you're hovering, right? Almost like when someone's staring at you from across a room and you're like, I feel like someone's staring at me. You become very aware that someone's just zoning in on you. And so he literally just said, hey, Jesus, I feel like you're hovering right now. Um, what is it? Like, what? I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to ask, but like, what? <laughs> what is it? And my buddy said that in that moment, he just sensed this invitation to pour out all these different things that he was dealing with in the season that he was in. And he said to the Lord, why did you want me to pour all that out? Why did you want me to start praying about all that? And my friend said, he's, he's like, as, as clear as day, like literally as clear as day, it, it, it was more real to me than the very shirt I was wearing. I heard the Lord say, because it is, it is crucially important to me that you understand that I see you. I see you. I see you at a depth that bypasses human knowledge. I see you at a depth that is so intimate on, on a heart level of connection, it would scare the living daylights out of you. How deeply I see you and know you. And it's important to me that you know I see you. And so for those of you that are, whatever it is that you're waiting for, 
or the, maybe it's transition, a better job, the ending of a job into a different job, um, something that you're wanting improved on in your life, breakthrough for your family. Jesus sees you. He sees you. This is good news. Amen? Amen. So um, how many of you have your Bibles with you tonight, whether, whether it's a phone or a physical Bible? Um, if you would, please, go ahead and get those out I, and get those out as we get ready to dive into With the remaining time that we have, I felt like it was important to do that. So we have about, um, just that we have a little bit of time. We always wanna make sure on Thursday nights that we honor your time. We know that Thursday night is a work night. Um, and so you have to be, some of you wake up extremely early for work the next morning. So we always wanna make sure we honor your time in getting out of here. But um, last week, we started a new series in going through the book of Hebrews. Um, I, what I love about this is I have always wanted to do like almost something of like a corporate Bible study like this of going through a book of the Bible together. Um, and then on, on that retreat that Jeff was telling you about, um, I felt like the Lord put on my heart of one of the things in a teaching culture that I would like to have here is, is biblical literacy. And, and what, I, what I mean by a biblical literacy is we have a value for this love letter. We have a value for this book. But even more so, we have a value for the person wrapped up within its pages. And we have a value of learning it, moving through it slowly, not, not, not speed reading. The, how many of you know that the scriptures is not dessert? It's not at the end of the meal. It's not the ice cream that you scarf down and barely taste. It is the filet mignon, like meat and potatoes. Like it is, it is the meal of all meals to be slowly savored and devoured, slowly. <clears throat> and so actually tonight, we probably won't even get through all of, all of chapter two. But we started this series and we're in this, the book of Hebrews, for a number of reasons. Previous to this series, we just got done coming through 12 weeks of learning about what does it mean to minister to the Lord and live out the gospel every day. Um, this isn't a plug for our podcast. This is simply just to establish direct discipleship with you guys. But all of our messages are, are available on a podcast. So if you want to know, hey, you guys say that a lot, minister to the Lord and live out the gospel every day. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean when you say that? Um, there was a whole series that we did on it that both myself, Jeff, and Clay taught on, and it's, um, I might be a little biased because it's from us, but I think it's amazing. So you should definitely go listen to it. But anyway, coming out of that series, the reason why we're in Hebrews is because we believe that Hebrews is one of the books of the Bible that points like none other to the supremacy and to the divinity of Jesus Christ, introducing him as a high priest to his church. And Hebrews was actually written to a group, and, and it's gonna be interesting, the way that we pick up in chapter two, we have to remember that the book of Hebrews is a letter. So it's not, it's not really even meant to be taught in the way we're actually teaching it. Probably the best way to read Hebrews is, would literally just be just to read it from beginning to end because even the way that one, chapter one, ends and flows into two, it's kind of like, wait, what in the world just happened? But it is Paul writing to a group of men and women that um, came out of radical Judaism into Christianity, and he is encouraging them in their faith, explaining to them the wonders of the new covenant, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, and the born-again life. So if you would with me, open up to Hebrews chapter two, if you're not already there. And we're going to read through this together. We're just going to go verse by verse. We're going to move through this slowly. 
And also, I think that this is really cool. Also, I was, I was talking with Nathaniel about this at the, at the beginning of tonight, um, and he, he was actually describing something I've literally never heard of before in my life, of, um, and maybe one of these days we'll be graced to, to have actually you do it, because I'm sure you would actually do it justice, about um, when I used the phrase communal Bible study of a way that like, he enjoys unpacking scripture that involves like, the whole community, it involves everyone here. We have a small enough group um, and I just want to open this up. As we're reading through this, like, this isn't, this isn't so formal that if it's like, hey, I didn't get that, or what does that mean? I can't promise I'm going to know every answer. If I don't know what it means, I'll just straight up say, oh, I have no idea. Like, go ask someone smarter than me. <laughs> but um, if you have like, hey, I don't know what that means, or you just want to say, hey, can we read that again? Like, this isn't class. You don't have to raise your hand. Like, just, just say it. This isn't so formal that you can't just speak up, so just... Yeah, this is, as, as Jeff would say, this is an all swim. We can just all dive in. All right, but here we go. Hebrews chapter two, finally, verse, verse one. This is why, and by the way, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. If it sounds a little bit different, that's why. So if you're on your phone and you wanna switch it to that. Uh, verse one, chapter two. This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. For if the message of the law spoken and confirmed by angels brought a just penalty to every disobedient violation, then how would we expect to escape punishment? If we despise the very truths that give us life, the Lord himself was the first to announce these things and those who heard him firsthand confirmed their accuracy. Verses one through three, what this is really explaining is that, especially when we look in the book of Deuteronomy, when the law was being introduced to Israel, Paul is speaking in a way that a bunch of people that just came out of Judaism are totally gonna understand. We talked about angels last week. The reason as to why we as a church, we actually believe in angels. We believe in that we, we, we do not pray to angels, but angels are ministering agents in the spirit realm from God, active in the room with us that are there to be enjoyed, are there to be interacted with. They are not deity. They are not part of the Trinity. They are definitely lower, lower than God, 100%, but they are there and they are real and they exist to, as Psalm 91 would say, to concern and care for the life of every believer. And so Paul is speaking in a way to a bunch of people that came out of Judaism in a way that they would understand that when the law was given to Moses, it was confirmed by the supernatural acts of ministering angels. I'll be honest with you, I don't totally know what that means, other than the fact that specifically as well in the book of Psalms, it says that when the Lord would, would come in and his presence would come in, whether it was to the tent of meeting or to places that, um, that uh, Israel, like early Israel would meet in, it was oftentimes accompanied by angelic activity and it was yielded to, it was acknowledged. So he's speaking in a way that the law was confirmed by angels. When God, through Jesus Christ, is giving the new covenant, it was confirmed, and the word will actually go on to say this, not only was it confirmed by Jesus Christ, but it was affirmed by the Son of God, Jesus, but it was also affirmed by the early disciples and apostles. So is that, that little history lesson, is that landing and making sense to all of us? I know that that's super heady, but it's important that we understand that as we go on. 
Let's, uh, let's pick up in verse 3, even though I just read that. Then how would we expect to escape punishment if we despise the very truths that give us life? The Lord himself was the first to announce these things. What, what are these things? The reality of the new covenant, the fulfillment of the law in the new covenant. The Lord himself was the first to announce these things, and those who heard him firsthand confirmed their accuracy. Then God added his witness to theirs. Who, who is, who's theirs? Who's he talking about? The early apostles, the early disciples, the individuals that Jesus had sent out. He validated their ministry. And by the way, when we talk about ministry, oftentimes ministry, all that ministry means, it's, 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 it's a Greek word that means diakonia, which essentially it just means to serve. That's all that ministry means. And this is why there's no such thing. The day that you became saved is the day that you gave up your right to refer to things as secular. There's no such thing as a secular job. There's no such, well, I work in the marketplace, I work in a church. Okay, what I hear in that is, you just happen, you work in church ministry, you work in marketplace ministry. There, there's, there's no difference. The only thing that ministry means is to serve. Lay down, lay down your life. And the day that you got saved is the day that every work that you set your hands to became a work done for the edification and the glorification for a person that you represent, Jesus Christ. And every work that you set your hands to, the whole purpose of it was to bring glory to God. And so it doesn't matter what you do for a living or, or what your individual job is. Everything that you do is holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Why? Because he is involved in it. And if God is everywhere and you are in him and he is in you and you live and move and have your being in him, there is nothing that you can go into that is not a holy act. Walking to the bathroom is a holy act because you do it with him. The only reason it's not holy is because our attention comes off of him and we begin to look at life rather than Jesus in the midst of life who is actually life itself. And when we allow the person that is life to no longer be life for us and we allow life externally to become life for us, then we wonder why we're stressed out and in anxiety because you're actually not focused on life. You're focused on life. You're not focused on life. That if anyone's listening to this on the podcast right now, they're not, this is not making sense. But for those of you that are here and watching, you will, you will get it. I hope this is making sense, yeah? Okay. And what's important is life defines you and not life. Because when outside life begins to define you, you actually go from living holy Holy, holy, everything that you do is holy unto him and you are no longer going from glory to glory, but you're actually just going from meltdown to meltdown to meltdown. And by the way, your, your meltdowns are welcome at the feet of Jesus. I'm just saying it's, it's not your portion. It's, it's, it's not your identity. You are made for more. You, you, are, you are made to be called higher. That's, that's not pride, that's actually called inheritance. That's actually, that's actually called stepping into what he paid for. That's actually called walking through the torn veil. <clears throat> that, verse four, then God added his witness to theirs. 
he validated their ministry, their service, their diakonio. What did he validate their ministry with? Signs, astonishing wonders, and all kinds of powerful miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he distributed as he desired. I wanna point this out to you guys as, as we are diving into this. I'm not, I'm not not saying anything because I don't know what to say. I want to make sure that this comes out right. There are, there have been, and, and I'll be honest with y'all, I don't, I'm still kind of thinking about where I'm at with this and what, like what I personally actually, actually think about this um, because I've, I've been on both sides of the fence of what it is that I'm about, of what it is that I'm about to describe you. I have been on the side of the fence and even still to this day, sometimes accidentally allow myself to fall back into it of where, let me just start off with this. My life got transformed because I, was, I saw a roommate of mine in a place called Teen Challenge get healed of hepatitis C. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not talking like, oh, it went into remission over, like over the year. Like, no, I'm talking we prayed for him. Legally, he had to go get a physical the next day and he's like, hey, um, I used hair. I was an intravenous heroin user for uh, 10 years. I was homeless on the streets of New York City. I've got hepatitis C. That's probably gonna come up on my blood test. And they're like, what in the world are you talking about, man? You're like, your, your, your blood is, is perfectly clean. There's literally nothing wrong with you. And he's like, what in the world are you talking about? He brought his blood test back and we all screamed and freaked out and celebrated. I watched that happen with two other men in this program that I was at. Two other men healed of hepatitis C. The power of God, there's a reason as to why this is called 420, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of a demonstration of God's power. The miracles and the miraculous nature of God, 100%, it saved my life. It saved my life. Miracles, signs, and wonders are some of the very love languages of the Trinity. They're the very love languages of God. And the reason why I say the Trinity and not just the Holy Spirit is because sometimes what we do in the West today is we say, God the Father, yes, we praise you, we honor you. God the Son, Jesus, we love you, we praise you. God the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Open up your Bibles, everyone. A discreditation of God the Holy Spirit is to blaspheme the whole Trinity. A discreditation of God the Holy Spirit is a blasphemation of the whole Trinity. It is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And also, in the same way, that does not give you permission to be a charismaniac that is super weird all the time, and you just say, well, I'm just a Holy Spirit guy. Okay, I don't, I don't know what you mean when you say that. You can't just be a Holy Spirit guy and not be a Father and Son guy. They're one and the same. They're three and one, one and three. And I've 100% I've ridden that fence of honestly getting to a point of where I was in a place of idolatry over the works, over, over, over the offering that was poured out. And I missed the person from which the streaming, which, of which the streams flowed. And I, I was missing him. What's scary and sobering is that I believe this is the group of people that will one day stand before Yahweh, 
Abba, Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, and will say, did we not do all these miraculous things for you? And he says, I never knew you. Because it is possible to know the gospel in form and practice and execute it in the any way any religious tradition would have you, any type of like self-help medicated thing, you can do that. And I honestly believe God will let you because he honors his word above his own name. I believe that he'll let you. But then your heart, your secret place has cobwebs growing on it and you do not know him. And this is eternal life that they may know me. Gnosko may intimately know me in a way that man and women married can only know each other. How intimate is that? Let that offend their religion out of us for a minute. That is how he desires to know us. That's so intimate, I don't, I don't, I don't even have words for that. And what I'd like to offer, miracle signs and wonders are the most normal thing in the kingdom. They are the most normal thing in the kingdom. They should be happening. I believe they should be happening every day. I don't believe they are just for mission trips. I don't believe that they are just for churches. I don't believe that they are just for denominations. I think it was, it was either Tozer or Leonard Ravenhill that said, let no man say that he wants more of God because he, he has as much of God as he seeks to go after. And why am, I, why am I on this rant about miracle signs and wonders? Because the miracle signs and wonders point to the one himself from which they pour forth from. When I seek miracle signs and wonders, I will have an exciting and a cool and a vibrant and an adventurous life. When I, when I truly, when I seek Jesus, I remember the time a pastor that I was working for said to me, just remember, don't seek miracle signs and wonders. And I was offended when he said it. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? This is life, man. This is what we're living for. Like, this is, this is it, man. And he was like, where's he in that? And he was, he's like, where's he in that? Because his heart has grown cold and his chest has grown cold from where you were once reclining against. Where's he in that? Miracle signs and wonders will happen in the life of the believer to the degree that you prioritize giving Jesus his proper place. And then soon, you will not follow miracle signs and wonders. Miracle signs and wonders will follow you because your eyes are on him. And miracle signs and wonders will follow you because you're just focused on following him. And Jesus doesn't know how to do anything unmiraculously. He doesn't know, he doesn't know how to do anything normally. When he comes into a room, he messes it up in the most beautiful way possible. He doesn't do anything average. Praise God. Man, praise God, yeah. All right, we're gonna move on to, uh... oh, and, and one more thing on that verse. Their ministry, their service was marked, but like the authenticity of it, it was marked by miracles. John 14, 12 
I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Acts 2.22, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Romans 15.19, they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Elysium. Mar, uh, yeah, Il, we're going we're gonna to go with Elysium. Sure, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know how else to respond to that. Mark 16, 17, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Those are just a couple of references that if you're looking for scriptural proof of, of why we as a community believe that miracles are for today and why we believe that the miraculous is the most. And by the way, scripture does say eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That word desire spiritual gifts is actually the same word that is used when it's actually talking about lusting after a woman, which is crazy. It's, 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 it's saying, hey, have a desire for these things. These are good things. Jesus died to give you access to these things. But just make sure that there's only one that sits upon the throne. Amen? Ver, verse 5. At least in my, in my Bible, this is, a, this is a new section in Hebrews chapter 2. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels. Why is he pointing that out? Old Testament confirmed by angels. New Testament confirmed by Jesus. <clears throat> oh, and let me, let me clarify. It, it wasn't only confirmed by, by angels, but Jesus was a, was a foreshadowed figure that, that, was, that was yet to come in the new. Does it make sense when I say that? So, okay, cool. For God will not place the coming world of which we speak under the government of angels, but the scriptures affirm what is man that you would even think about him or care about Adam's race. You made him lower than the angels for a little while. You placed your glory and honor upon his head as a crown, and you have given him dominion over the works of your hands, for you have placed everything under his authority. Now, it's important to point this out. In Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 30, we see the Trinity creating man, man and woman. It is nine o'clock. Holy moly. We are definitely, can I have 10 more minutes? Dear Lord, I didn't even look at that. Yeah, we're not gonna get through. We're gonna end on this. 10 more minutes. Sorry, y'all. So it's important that we recognize this. In Genesis chapter one, we see the creation of the Trinity bringing man and, 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 and woman into being. Yahweh looks at them and says, okay, now I've given you authority over the earth, over the, uh, over the fish of the air, or that, that's, that would be weird, over the fish of the sea, <laughs> the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every plant. Over the earth, take dominion 
over the earth. Take dominion over the earth. Dominion is a military term. It, what it essentially means is take the borders of this thing, extend the borders, and make there look like here. Reestablish it. Re recreate it. Make there look like here. Jesus came to earth, fully God and fully man, with the wholehearted plan and agenda of reestablishing what we gave up in Genesis chapter two and three when we fell. He came back to establish a kingdom that would be an everlasting kingdom, a kingdom that would represent his rule, his reign, and his dominion. It was, it was his original intent and it was, it was his original plan from creation. If that were not true, Jesus would not have had to have gone into hell to get the keys of dominion back from Satan to say, hey, I wanna get back to what I originally had in mind. I'm flipping the script on you. I'm getting back to what I originally had in mind. And when God made man and released him into the world, Jesus was the, was the prototype individual to model that for us first. Because if Jesus, and it's, this is why it's important to, to see Jesus as fully God and fully man, because I said it last week, if Jesus did everything that he did as God, it gives us something to admire. But if Jesus did everything that he did as man, it gives us something to step into. It gives us an invitation. And it's important that all of you realize that every single one of you in here are ambassadors from a different country. You are ambassadors and you are members of a kingdom and, and, and your home country as believers is the home country of heaven. And you live as ambassadors from a different country in this world, living from another. And by the way, your spirit is actually still there. So you are living from a, a seated reality in heavenly places of where you live from that world into this one, making this world look like that one. Why are we here ministering to the Lord? Because the only way to get earth to look like heaven is to do what it is that they do in heaven, which is sit, stare, look, and adore Jesus and give him his rightful place. And if we want to see earth look like heaven, then we better start doing what it is that they do in heaven, which is adore him. Give him his rightful place. All eyes, all attention on him. And when you do that, when you give Jesus his proper place and you position him in the room to look at him, see him, and adore him, you will actually then leave here with something worth giving away. Because as you've spent time in that atmosphere, you have actually become something because you then actually, because you become what it is that you behold. So when I become what Jesus says that I am, then I'm actually free to leave, give that away to someone, disciple someone in that. And I, and I walk as an ambassador of heaven. I walk as an, as an ambassador of the kingdom. This is, like, this is so loaded, I feel like I'm not even having a chance to even do it justice of everything of like what he's actually saying here. And what's crazy is when Paul says, what is man that you would even think about him? The fact that God has chosen man to be the vehicle with which 
he decides to do all this is amazing because he, he wouldn't have to. He could say, all right, angels, you're back up. Adam and Eve screwed it up for everyone. I'm re-enlisting all of you guys. You're gonna be the chosen agents of, the, of, of, of this new covenant. What is man that he would even be mindful of us? That he invites us into this commission. That he invites us into this work. It's 9.05. Our goal is to always have you out of here by 9. So I, I wanna make sure that we're, that we're honoring that. As you guys are, are going throughout this week, and even as, even as you're listening to this tonight, there's a lot that I didn't have time to do it justice or explain it in, in as clear of a way as what I would have liked to. We'll pick up from it next week, though. Um, there's something, how, how about this? Close your Bibles with me and stand to your feet as we get ready to close tonight. Verse 14 in chapter two of Hebrews says, since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate. We sang it and declared it tonight. I believe this is what, when, when Clay said, the Lord's just on this tonight. Here it is right here. He did that so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. I was actually meditating this morning, which it's funny that we were singing about it. I've never thought about this before. I've always heard the statement, God destroyed death, God destroyed death. And I'm just like, cool, like God, God destroyed death. And I, I really didn't really know what it meant. And then tonight, as I was meditating on that this morning, it just, it clicked for me. My death, my, my, my grave, my sin, my shame, the things of, the things that even, even when I think about them, which by the way, have been erased from the record books of heaven, so who are we to remember something that isn't even recorded anymore? All of that, Jesus was saying, I threw it into a grave, I jumped in on top of it, I put myself there, I died on top of it, and I raised to life without it. And then in that life, I invited you, to, and I said, come. If you are born again and you're in this room tonight, I want you to leave having full confidence that you are saved, you are healed. This is, what, this is what salvation means, sozo. Healed, set free, set apart, and delivered from all harm. That you are saved, you are healed, and you have been brought into the family of God. And it is, it is not you holding on to God, it is God holding on to you. Your, your ability to even only hold on to him is a direct response of him holding on to you. And as you leave here tonight and go throughout your week, last week we were talking about statio, about how we practice passing movements with the Lord and how we learn to behold God in everything. I simply want you to rest this week. Rest in a finished work. The cross actually worked. The grave is actually empty. Your real life is actually hidden in him. You are actually born again. You're actually saved. You actually have a new mind and a new heart. The blood of Jesus is still warm. It's still running from the throne. He still is calling to you, come. Even so, come. 
and just rest in the fact. Like I just, even just simply, I'm just gonna say, relax, it is finished. Relax, it is finished. Amen? Okay, that was eight minutes. You gave me 10, so we're good. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that we get to stumble through your word, discovering it, reading it, and devouring it, and learning of what it is that you are saying. Lord, we thank you that as we stand here tonight and then as we get ready to leave here tonight, if people are waking up for, for, for work in the morning or if they're going to work in the afternoon, if they're going to work at night, whatever their day looks like, it would be laced, covered by your presence. You're actually already there waiting for them. When we arrive to whatever the point is, it would just be, oh, you were here waiting for me. You were here waiting for me. Any person that has heard this word tonight, I ask that it fall on good soil, not to be taken up quickly, not to be devoured by thorns, thistles, and, and branches. It would fall on good soil, good soil, and that the prince of the power of the air would be silenced and shut up in this place and in people's lives. That life within them, not life around them, would be what gets to shape them and father them and delight them. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Thank you that you let us gather. You let us sing these songs. You let us open up our mouths. You let words come out. You let community happen. We live and move and have our being in you, so we yield our beings back to you right now and entrusting ourselves into your tender care. We love you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Guys, we love you. We will uh, see you next week for finishing out Hebrews 2 in Hebrews 3. Love you guys.